why would you not become your significant others? You know, why wouldn't you become the president of their fan club? You know what I mean? Like you're in it lock stock. If, if you're committing to a relationship, regardless of whether it's marriage, business partnership, whatever, if you're committing to that relationship and you're not supporting that other person completely, then what the fuck are you doing? Love Conquers is a relationships podcast by Matt and Kaz Page. Love can help us overcome a lot, but can't conquer all. You've got to own your worth. What's an arc? An arc. So an arc, what you're looking at there is like a just a, a nice little curve. But why do you describe a, a relationship as an arc? Well, because it, the idea is that it's, it's like a story arc in, in literature or anything like that, that you have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? And so in an ideal circumstance, you know, as you know, they used to see it back in the day was you'd be raised by your parents and then they'd arrange for you to have a marriage and then you get married. So that would be the first point of the arc and then you'd slowly start having kids and that would be the second part of the arc and then you're raising your kids is kind of like the middle area and then as you're coming through, well, it's not kind of, it's probably like the first third finished then you move into adolescenthood with the kids and they're starting to realise that they're going to move on and they won't need you guys anymore and then you've got to realise like, okay, what's our relationship look like now because we've been battling kids, mortgages, stress, whatever, and now we're moving into this next stage where the kids actually don't need that and we don't have the same pressures on us anymore. So what's that look like? Can we actually stand to be around each other anymore? <laughs> and then they're moving into the kids have moved out. We're empty nesters now. We're starting to look at retirement and then how's the next 20 years going to look before, you know, ideally we all pass in our sleep at the same time next to the person we love? Yeah, so that's you start, middle, end. There's yeah. no end. Because it doesn't matter if we're dead, we're still together. Well, I, I think arc is a tidy mechanism to use. It's a vehicle. Yeah. It's a vehicle. All right. So hence there is an arc. So where are we in our arc? So we're at the point now, well, <laughs> we were we, at the... We have a double arc. <laughs> we have two arcs, unfortunately, yeah. So we had a double arc where our first two children were teenagers. And then because we're stupid, we had more children. And so we reset our arc. <laughs> but we're still dealing with the whole adult kid thing. And we're dealing with the changing nappies thing and then now we're dealing with the adolescence yeah. thing again. The two older ones have moved on and now we've yeah. just got a single arc. Yeah, we've got it back onto our track. <laughs> so, yeah, which is kind of it's, – it's, it's a really interesting, like, when we look at it in the, the sense of a linear timeline or an arc-style fashion there because you've kind of got, like, one of those – yeah, every now and then you used to see like these old images where people would paint this um, timeline and so you'd start with almost like the chrome magnum man and then they'd move in and they'd have a picture of a guy hoeing a field and then they'd have a picture of a guy pulling a wagon with a horse and then on and on and on. And I guess kind of like I vision it like that. It's kind of like this big curve and then on this curve you've got two little people starting a relationship with their hand holding and stuff and everything's sweet and then we move up the arc and then the environment changes again. So... Like I think for a lot of people, their 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 impression is that one where the arc starts is how it will finish. Yeah, and so you pitch a timeline, and you've got this nice little curvature, and then you got the little people at the start, and as we're moving through, we've got these other little pictures that sort of pop in and pop out. 
And over then the weather will change and things like that. So you've got kind of got like, I guess your early baby days, things are kind of like the start of a storm almost, you know, you've got lightning and thunder and you're like, ah, what's going on and how am I going to do this? And I've got kids screaming at me and next thing they're shit through the bed and it's 3am and I've changed it for the fourth time, but I've still got to go up and do that sort of stuff again. So that's kind of like this real turbulent time where you don't necessarily have the opportunity anymore to appreciate each other or, you know, the things you've got. And then as they go on, the relationship partners, because they're so busy focusing so much of their attention and bandwidth onto this third party now, which is part of their family, but is, has come along, you know, and all of a sudden it changes the dynamics of everything and now things aren't looking like they were right at the beginning of the arc. So that's your first sort of stumble step and where we see, I guess we see it too, a lot of people or people we've known when their relationships are broken up, you know, there tends to be those key points where they break up okay when they have their first children that can either set them down that pathway of like this is too stressful and we can't do this and we can't work together in this relationship um and then i guess the other ones we've seen is people that are sort of in the more teenage years or have a majority of their children in the teenage years where they start to go through those stresses again where they're sort of they're sort of more career oriented and their kids are more demanding in the sense of they want more um, I guess, of your bandwidth as far as doing things for them as opposed with them. Um, and so then they've got to try and navigate through that. I think there's other elements too. I mean, I've seen a lot of couples and I know, you know, we all know you're my third husband, right? So yeah. I've had the experience and I've been down this path where you dive into something really quick and really early in the piece thinking you know the person, you do all the, you know, bells and whistles and checks and balances and you get married and a couple of years into it you're starting to realise that you didn't know the person as well as you knew the person and that the values are different and the long-term goals are different and, you know, the person themselves aren't necessarily the person that you thought you were going to grow old with and you have to stop and start looking at, well, do I change to meet that requirement now or do I walk away because that's not what I in my heart actually want to have for my life long-term. Do you reckon every couple actually enters into the arc thinking this is forever after? I'd like – well, there's a, I've got two answers to that. I would say the the optimist in me would like to think that everybody fully enters into these sort of things understanding what the gravity of it is. So understanding everything that they're taking on as far as responsibility but also what they're committing to. And the realist in me says <laughs> – no, 90% of these cunts <laughs> do not even think about this past five years. You know, I think most people are there and they're like, we're getting married. And you go, cool. But like, weren't you just like really having some issues about how, you know, she leaves shit all over the floor and that you're ready to walk out on her for that? Because if you're ready to walk on out on her for that, bro, like maybe think about not marrying that person. You didn't want to get married? No, I didn't want to get married, but it was more of a, I just didn't see the point. Do you now? Look, yeah, I do. I do from the perspective of like, you know, we've now got that point in time that was a, a really, really memorable experience for us and it's something we talk about almost weekly and it's something that we've carried around with us and it's a good story and there's a lot of, you know, good memories with it and I think the whole pageantry and everything that goes along with that builds in to make this resounding sort of you know, it's kind of like putting the final, you know, joint together. It's like 
bang, we're settled in, we're home now. And like, but was oh, it the we wedding are. you didn't want or the ma- – I thought it, like it was the whole marriage thing that you didn't agree to or buy into or anything, well, not just the wedding. Yeah, well, I, th- I kind of looked at them as both, like the wedding is the marriage and I didn't think we needed a piece of paper to tell us how business was. And I still don't believe that the piece of paper is what kept us there. I think we kept us here. But I do get that, you know, these days I say to people oftentimes when they're like talking about getting married is like, you're going to love it, bro. Like I love being married. Like I just, I do. I do. I far prefer it to be. It's kind of like, I guess, where it's almost like the most um, elite club or VR experience or something like that. Like when you're in the marriage, you see things that you didn't see before, you get exposed to a whole bunch of different shit that you didn't get exposed to before. So you're kind of like living in this like alternative what? reality. Like even just a million little different things. So like having somebody there who you can go check that out and they'll be like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's sick. And you go, yeah, it's sick, huh? And so then all of a sudden you're vibing with this person who you already love hanging out with, but you real- you get the opportunity to realise this new thing that you both were just super vibing on. And so there's a lot of little Little things like that. There's big things and little things, but it coalesces into, you know, I guess that feeling of difference. And there is a feeling of difference. I think once you wholly and solely commit to a relationship, you there is a different feel to it. If you academically or unpack it and look at it for what it is, you go, yeah, no, actually it's, it's a different thing. Marriage is almost like locking it in. To be able to say you are my husband is a higher... It's higher on the hierarchy than being able to say you're my boyfriend or you're my partner. Yep. There is just something about that. And it was the same as what I was saying to you before we got married when you were asking me why did I want to get married. I can't explain it. It's the last 2%. It's that thing that solidifies the perfect circle for us. Yeah. And and that's what it was for me. It's I, I honestly thought we were still going to be happily ever after forever even if we just remained as boyfriend and girlfriend or partners but I wanted that last 2%. I wanted to be able to say you are my husband, I am your wife, and the world can go away now. Like there is no crack in this armour, yeah. there's no, you're mine. Well, and that, and that really makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense when you start explaining it like that to me too because, you know, when we unpack it like that, you go, well, of course, like if, if you had this idea about how a finished product looks, and, you know, you turn up and your new Apple phone is all good to go except that there's one screw missing out of the back of it or the side of it and next thing you know, all you can see is that fucking one screw hole, right? So I get it from that perspective. Like you had this, this is what a finished product, I believe, looks like. And if my product's not finished, then I haven't got what I invested myself into and so therefore it doesn't sit right. And so from that perspective there, it becomes really clear to me like why that was a different thing for you. For me, it was um, that, and I'm very jealous, and I didn't want anybody else taking away from me because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm such a catch. <laughs> You're my catch. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think for me too, like I was, I was already like I think in my head too young, and this is a younger, younger version of me too. Like at twenty, you know, my headspace, and I guess at that age too, you're, you're sort of raging against the storm all the time. Like you're always trying to test yourself and fight and change and do. And my mentality went straight to, well, fuck, man, I've committed. I'm raising two kids that aren't mine. How much more fucking commitment? We've got a house together. We've got animals we bought. We've got cars. We've got everything going on. We're doing jobs. We're working together. We're doing the whole thing. 
how much more commitment do we need? Like we've got all the pieces of paper. We've got a mortgage paper. We've got, And we'd also uh, agreed to have kids at that point yeah. and we were trying to have kids yeah. at that point too. So, so un, you know, unaware Matt had no concept to base that on except for the fact that in his head he'd already committed 100%. Mm-hmm. And so therefore his product wasn't unfinished. <laughs> <laughs> and you married me anyway. And I married you. Well, of course. It's a no-brainer at that point there. Like one thing I will say that back then in that process that I did get right, not that I'd got a lot of stuff right in my early days as far as relationship goes, but I think, you know, I recognised earlier on the piece that like this isn't for me. This isn't for me at the moment. Listen, this is how it's got to work. To make her feel secure and comfortable, this is what we need to do. And at that point it's like, cool, do I care about any of the bells and whistles and trappings and stuff? No, I don't. Does she? Possibly. So I guess she makes a decision on that then because I don't care but I'll be supportive. And that's that's the one part of one bit of advice I would tell any groom in the future. Act fucking enthused, act like you care, act like you know what any of it means because it's deadly important to her and it'll just set you up because at least if you give her the time and space and try and sort of understand why it'd be important to her, then I think you're probably going to get off to a good start or you're going to realise this bitch is crazy and you need to fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously I wasn't crazy because you didn't leave. So not we crazy must have enough. got through. Not crazy <laughs> enough. <laughs> Mind you, I think I've evolved with my craziness over the years. It's undeniable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But it's interesting now looking back and watching different people that we know go through you know, we, we are so far ahead of so many people that we know in relationship stands. Well just clarify that too. Like as far ahead goes as far as we, we communicate far more than a lot of people do that we know. It's not so much that we think we're... No, I meant... No, sorry. I meant in time. Yeah. Like we've been together a lot longer than most people yeah. that are in our circle or that are our friends, etc. So... Yeah, I just wanted to clarify so yeah, our friends sorry, didn't I think didn't... they were fucking... <laughs> yeah, you lowies. Hey, we just slum it with you guys, down, but... Down the pole. Turns down out the bottom of the pole. We're marriage heroes, so fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, you're a marriage hero. It took me three goes. So <laughs> I was so going to say, I'm a hero. successfully married man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am now successfully married. It just took a few goes, yep. you know, whatever. But no, yes, I meant time-wise, smartass. God, you can get me into some trouble. Well, I'm trying to avoid that trouble by allowing you the time and space to be able to express exactly what it is you intended to say, not what you actually said. <laughs> time, time. Further ahead in time than yep. most people we know. But we're also, therefore, we've made the mistakes that we're watching them make. Yeah, too. And, and I guess that's what makes it... I mean, it's not not as though we're one towards schadenfreude towards other couples, but you do wind up going like, oh, man, I can't believe that shit's going down over there, hey, and you kind of giggle a bit and you go, oh, yeah, but they're really struggling, eh? So, But, <laughs> but it is kind of interesting. you also look back and you think and you go, oh, that really was us sort of five years ago yeah, 100%. years ago or whatever. Like, yeah. oh, I know what she's going through right now because, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And it's at those moments too, like I guess it comes down to if if – you know, not that we're necessarily tapping people on the shoulder going, oh, this is how we think your marriage should go. <laughs> but I would always say too, like, man, if someone's in pain, like I'm always going to try and say like, have you thought about this, bro? Yeah. Just tap them on the shoulder and go, maybe don't call your wife a malignant cunt because that's not going to ha- be happening. Yeah, no. yeah, no. You know, like, it's just, and that's a bit of a misnomer as far as like the excessiveness of my statement just then. But, you know, there's a lot of times there where I think we see people just – 
they treat their partner with behavior that they wouldn't allow other people to be treated like perfect strangers. If they saw a perfect stranger being spoken to like that, they'd probably step in and have something to say. And yet it seems to be acceptable to just speak to your, you know, hopefully your lifetime partner. I mean, I'd like to think that if, if something's like, you know, making us sort of tweak our heads a little bit and go, Jesus, what the hell was that all about? Like, I'd like to think that if we're around people, we know that we've got a fairly good understanding and mm. of, of what the intention was behind it. And so I think for outside of us, you know, or outside of people we understand who will just talk like, you know, juveniles to each other, then that's one thing. But then you've got the other ones there where they're just like saying the most undermining shit in front of their friends or to, you know, mutual friends about each other. And it's just counterproductive. And so I, I can't fathom that mentality. That gets uncomfortable. Yeah, that it's makes super it uncomfortable. really awkward. And you have to kind of look elsewhere and uh, wait for the storm to pass almost. Yeah. Because you yeah. can't get involved in that point. You just got to let people run their course. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know. Surely, surely the people that are, you know, the um, protagonists of this situation have to understand how uncomfortable it is for everybody else that they're, <laughs> they're airing their dirty laundry in front of everybody. I don't know. I, I honestly don't think they are aware. If you, because yeah. if you were that self aware of what you were doing, would you be doing be it? Be reluctant to. Yeah. 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 There's no point. way I would talk like some of the situations we've been in. And you and I know exactly what we're talking about. And there's no way I would do that. Yeah, there's no, no way you would do that. No, no, I don't. I don't think. And I mean, when we've always been from fairly early in the piece too, we've made you know there's certain, I guess, not rules, but there's certain ideals that we've always sort of led to. And that was like you know, I always had a big thing in my head about name calling. Like I wasn't going to be a name caller in arguments in a relationship. I think that's really counterproductive. And I think it's actually really. Um, undermining of your relationship as a whole um and it's and honestly it's the lowest form of arguing <laughs> like it's just so fucking base level i used to when we would first argue i was i'm very good at arguing right and i used to really enjoy the fact that you were not very good at arguing mm. and then i overheard you telling someone one day that <laughs> you studied me in our arguments because all of a sudden our arguments started to evolve and it's like Wait, why are you saying that? That's that's my line. Hang on. No, you can't you can't come at me with that. That's what I do. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was fighting myself. It's like hmm. Yeah, because well, I adopted the philosophy of productive argumentation. And that is always that, okay, what's the issue that we're addressing right this second? Cool. And then we're gonna stay on this fucking topic now and finish <laughs> it. And once it's finished, it's fucking done, right? It's fucking done. And then, so every time at that at that point, and I think it was about the ten year mark that I remember starting to get there, where I'd just be like, I think we'd crossed over a border, and then I watched our argument arc of all things <laughs> start to descend. And next thing, it was the stuff we'd just hashed out and made some really good progressive groundwork on, and it'd be back there, and we'd be having that conversation again. And so I started to go, hang on a second, like, and I, and this has been through me needing to go and seek health, health, uh, mental health treatment and things like that and understanding my individual aggression arcs and things like that and what sets me off. And then it started to be able to order my brain as far as, you know, when I'm in the situation where we're having conflict, how do I order my brain so that I actually understand what's going on instead of just reacting to everything? Because one of the things that, and I'm fairly open about it and happy to talk about it later on, but is that I lost that switch 
in me that stops me making bad decisions when I'm emotional. And so if I was angry, I'd just switch to violence or I'd switch to hyperaggression. And so... I know. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm trying to tell it to all our fake pretend friends that aren't <laughs> listening to us. So <laughs> it's like just crickets. <laughs> Hello, hello, and it's just hello. Matt screaming into the storm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I had I had to start to strategically break down my conflicts so that I could reteach myself or learn how to actually keep on target there because I'd automatically learned how to do it and was capable of doing it. I don't know how, but was managed it in adult life before that. And then once I had an accident, those sort of things went away. And what I found was in our argument arcs was that we'd keep on circling back. And my idea was for that was, was, okay, let's, let's, the second that starts to circle back, we're going to go, hey, I respect the fact that this hurts and still is painful. However, we've both agreed that we've resolved that situation. Any further talk backwards on that one is actually counterproductive to moving forward. And once I started to bring you back onto target a little bit, and I get it because you're emotionally driven. It was also a big challenge too. I 100%. remember when you were converting into that process and that line of thinking and it's like, you're not the school teacher and you're not my dad. You don't get to make the rules here. Yep. And so I would almost not. Of course. It's like, no, you don't get to say that Because this you're the injured done. party. Yeah. And so you don't want the aggressor to then go, all right, cool, I get you hurt and I'm sorry I hurt you. But here's this really nice framework we want to work towards so we can make progressive linear movements yeah, forward. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, I don't like, like the but. But I want to be angry. Yeah. And that's, that was <laughs> yeah. it, right? But that's a genuine thing. 100%. Let me be angry for yeah. a minute because I'm hurt. Yeah. And, and that's where I would really struggle because in your mind, we'd resolved it. Yeah. You were good. We were going to move on. But I'm still there. Yeah. And you wanted me to jump the arc. Well, yeah, I, I wanted the conversation. I didn't necessarily need you to stop feeling that way. But I needed, if we needed to move forward and continue to tackle the next part of the problem, we needed to stop repeating ourselves back here about the same thing because we had a solution to that. Now, the feeling and stuff like that, that's my end to carry like as far as supporting you through feeling that way, making you feel better than that. But to, if we keep cycling, then we weren't going to get to the next part, which is probably going to be even better. And so... It took me a long yeah. time to catch up to that with you. Yes. I'm there now and I get it. Yeah. But to me, that listening to you now, it's really logical. Back then, it was almost dictatorship. It was almost you yeah, telling me how it had to be. And I would just fight it. I, I remember I would go, that's, that's not fair. But it was also like you finishing my sentences. Yep. I, if I'm in that feeling and I'm in that motion, I need to progress that to the end. I can't yeah. jump. So, yep. and, and I think we've both got to the point now where we understand that. So... We will evolve and go forward because we have discussed it, but you also give me the time to breathe and yeah, and come good and go, okay, I'm not as angry now. And I, I don't remember the last time I was angry at you now because we have got so good at diffusing stuff early in the piece. Yeah, look, I think – and I guess that's the other, other factor too that we apprise ourselves so heavily on as far as relationship stuff goes regardless of whether it is your marriage or whether it's just an acquaintanceship or anything like that is like even at that level you're still going to have to acknowledge that there's going to be some sort of um ongoing effects going forward i mean it's, it's it, it comes down to a trust issue right relationships are all about trust and 
And it's about vulnerability, Matthew. You're having really bad English day today. I'm enjoying it immensely because it's usually me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. My tongue's thick as fuck. Oh, no, you know what it was? It was all the lidocaine they shot my jaw up with yesterday. Oh, yeah, in the in the it's, dentist chair. I was, I was weird at shits yesterday. I was like having out-of-body experiences almost. Do you know, if we have to bleep this through, like it's going to be me talking and just beep, 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 yeah, beep, That's beep, Matt's beep. parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, we're never getting sponsored. <laughs> It's like unless somebody comes up with a company called like theswearjar.com. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, it's brought to you by theswearjar.com. Everybody has to put a dollar, dollar in the jar every time Matt swears. So fucking cool. <laughs> we'll be so rich. You know, when we're talking about arguments too, there's, there's, you know, a couple of different ways to look at it too because you've got productive argument or productive – I'm not going to say argument because I'm going to say it's problem-solving. Or yeah. disagreement. It's a yeah. it's a difference of opinion. Yeah. 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 And it's a I mean, I like my language better, but I mean. I know, but <laughs> I just thought I'd start a difference yeah. of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? I did. You tied that back in nice, baby. It's such so a good cool. segue. <laughs> good you know, argument versus bad argument. Well, yeah, there's, there's productive arguing and then there's unproductive arguing. And so, you know, a lot of the times – and I'm very skewed these days because I have very little time for things lacking in substance. And so I would say, you know, and this is probably not going to make me the most amount of friends, but really, you know, arguing about somebody didn't take the bins out this weekend is the worst idea about how to fucking argue and resolve something because honestly, who gives a shit? Somebody didn't do it. Cool. So are we going to do it next week? Yeah. Right. I get that you think like that, and I love that you do because you're the yin to my yang. Because okay, that I but you're talking well, about. <laughs> I don't think like that, right? And you know I don't think like no, that. No, I know. And you said you run around the house if I'm off to work and I'm coming home. Like, I know Kaz is about three days off losing her shit with this, so I'm just going to make it and fix it and all the rest of yep. it. Because the bin not getting taken out or something trivial to you yep. is a mountain to me. Yes, but the, the having a – Two day, like what I would say there, the, or the premise that I was referring to in that sentence is like spending two days not talking to each other because oh, somebody no. forgot to take the bins out is kind of the least productive thing you could probably do. And this bullshit about not talking to each other, I mean, it's fuck. And when we had patches there where we weren't speaking, but it's the fucking hardest thing to do in the world when you're living together, especially when you're trying to raise kids and do everything. It so, brings so much pressure into the house. Oh, it's terrible. So much negative it's energy. Gross. And you're just living under this constant black cloud. Oh, yeah. And, like, you're not, not to be on my soapbox, but any of you motherfuckers that think your kids don't feel that are fucking idiots because yep. they do. They feel everything. I guarantee you. They get it. They see it. They hear yep. it no matter how good you think you're being yep. at hiding it. And they will blame you when they're adults. Oh, fucking A. <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> fucking A. They will. You know, so I think from that perspective, you know, I'd like to think that these days – well, as a point of difference would, would explain, like these days the way we resolve our issues has a tendency to be, you know, look, can you maybe take care of this on time for a change? And that's normally you telling me because I'm, you know, timeframes on general things. Again, I'm very much a strategy, big picture type of thing. And so therefore the minutiae, it's either going to get done or it won't done and it'll happen when it's done. But you also that. lost a lot of time concept and, yeah. 
And, you know, you'll say you're going for a walk for five minutes and three hours later you come home and you honestly think you've only been gone five minutes. Yeah. So there's still lots of things that I have to factor in yes. about you and your break that isn't a normal run-of-the-mill thing for everyday people as well. No, so No, that's correct too. Um, you know, but I think bring it back onto um, the arguing side of things, you know, especially – when you're making that statement to me too, you know, I think the fact that we're not dancing around it for two days where you're a bit sort of quiet and distant and I'm like, what's her fucking problem? And we're now actually just like, hey, like this pisses me off. Can you sort that? And I'm like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I should have known better. I should know that that would set you off because we've been hanging around each other for 20 years. And so now our arguments literally go, hey, this thing's annoying me. Oh, is it? Oh, shit. I didn't even have any idea that was affecting you, but it is. So no brainer, right? I'm going to do what I need to do or manage what I need to manage to accommodate because, you know, this person's of value to me, you know, and so therefore I'm going to treat them as such and therefore I'm going to accommodate, you know, behaviours that aren't destructive or negative we and matured. we're going to work together. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what happens as part of that arc is that, you know, ideally if you're both people of, of substance and you want to move forward and you want what's best for each other as well as yourselves, I think, all those things have to be equal in this part. If you want better for your partner than you want for yourself, then it's not going to work. And if you want better for your relationship, but you don't want better for yourself and any one of those factors doesn't meet equally, then it's not going to work out. And that comes back to owning your worth. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You nailed it then because for so many years I lived for you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we were going to break because I was breaking yeah. and I wouldn't own it. I wouldn't own that I was breaking. Yep. I was too busy looking after and trying to make sure everything was in its place for you and I had to stop and say, yep. I deserve better. And and the thing is too, like young me was going, well, don't fucking do it. I don't want you to live for me. But that's that's requiring that young person to understand the fact that some people are just wired that they are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think probably from there, and not to sound too Freudian about this whole situation, but realistically, I think that comes back heavily from your relationship with your dad yep. and how all that works. You know, I want to live to see this person have everything he wants because then he will love me and he'll appreciate me. Yep. And it turns out like that I appreciated you more when you understood that you needed to be appreciated. Yep. Which is a real weird thing to say, but. Holy shit, man. Or like, that I was appreciated. That you were appreciated, yeah. Yeah. And and to, to feel that, to allow that in and yep. to step back and to say, you know, I've always said you holding me in your arms is, is the safest place in the world for me. Yeah. So I've always had that in my mind that you are my protector. But in doing that, I have put you on a pedestal and lived for you and forgotten yep. me in that process. And so back in 2019 was my pivotal turning point where I went, no. I'm, I'm going to do this for me now and I'm going to want better for me yep. and therefore you're going to have to step up. Yeah. And lucky for me, <laughs> you wanted to do that as well. And that's the biggest thing I think, you know, from an arguing point of view or a disagreement point of view or anything that is, is not agreed upon in a relationship, our friendship, our relationship has always been more important than whatever it is that we're fighting about. Yeah, that's that's the best statement ever, I think. Like that's something once we both recognize that any of any one of these little stumbling steps is not bigger than the whole sum of what we mean to each other. Yep. 
And once you can figure that shit out, I reckon you're home and home. Yeah, because every every argument and every confrontation becomes as simple as, is this argument bigger or more important to me than the other person? Yeah. And the, to me, my answer is always no. No. It's just ever. not. And no. so And that's what it got I mean, I used to get to a point sometimes and I'm talking years and years ago when we were in our early stages and we would have those really horrific fights that most people have and most couples have. Yeah. And you kinda like I'd get to a point where I would be so frightened of not having you in my life. And that for me was enough to go, no, 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 we gotta stop, we gotta find our way back, etc. But it would have been nice to acknowledge that before it got yeah. blown up. Yeah. And that's the journey I had to learn with you. I had to learn to acknowledge your importance to me prior to getting so angry where I would shut down for a couple of days and yep. would not communicate and whatnot and all the rest of it. And it was a huge learning curve for me because I had to take my ego out of the equation as well. Well, yeah, and don't forget too, like, I mean, we're the product of our experiences. So, you know, my journey through marriage is obviously very different to your journey through marriage because – I've only got this marriage to base it off. Mm -hmm. And so when you're dealing with your previous experiences, now our life's experiences are what effectively prepare us for the future. And so you've got two out of three stimuli telling you that men are cunts, that they're going to treat you like a piece of shit, that they're going to expect you to have a baby and, and feed them and do all these other things. Oh, yeah, and by the way, you're going to have to work full time and pay bills and do this. It's like, and yeah, nah, that's that turns out. That's not how 90% of men actually probably think, I'd like to think. Um, I'd certainly like to think that 90% of men don't think about that. Otherwise, I'm certainly out of touch with my old co-world because fuck. <laughs> but um, I think that's – that's you really need to take the time to really dig down deep and have a look at that. But I also think in my previous relationships too, there was no friendship. We didn't start at a friendship. We'd gone yeah, into an, an immediate attraction jumped into a relationship. You and I had a really solid friendship before we became anything more. Yeah. And our friendship has evolved with our relationship. Yeah. I honestly and genuinely consider you my best friend. Like you're the person that I want to tell all my exciting stuff to. You're, yeah. you know, you're not just my husband. You are actually my best friend too. And I think it's really important to distinguish that in relationships. I think we forget to have our partners as friends yep. because we're so focused on them being our partner or our husband or, you know, we put these pedestals up or we put these ideals up of what that should look like. But at the end of the day, a really good, strong, solid relationship is based around a really good, solid, strong friendship. The yep. ability to make me laugh, the ability to make me cry, the ability to make me so frustrated that I feel like I'm going to explode both happy and sad yep. equally. Yeah. That's huge and it's important and that's that's friendship. See, and, and the real funny thing there too and the bit that makes me, like, I guess, trips me up when I'm thinking about it in, in our terms or in terms of like how we would be in that way is that I've, we've got enough friends that turn around and talk about their best mate or their best friend, or yeah, their best Yeah, and it's never their that. partner. And it's not their partner, yeah. And that, <laughs> to me, like, I, yeah. I that, don't get it. That's completely the opposite of how I feel about things. Like, if, if I'm turning up to a party somewhere, and I'm like, it's going to be okay because at least I've got Kaz there. You know, not like I'll see, oh, Jim Bob, who, you know, I went to school with or whatever, yeah. you know, and he's a bit of a loose unit. We'll probably have a laugh. Like, no, like, nope, at least i got my buddy here and we both – sort of feeling the same things and we both have the same loves and likes and go through the same stuff together. So, you know, these days 
And I, and even back in the early days too, I would have said that I wasn't really much one for, you know, the person I'm with is my best friend. Yeah. Yeah, you were never social. No. You were never social. And I was always social. And then I got tired, I guess, of being social and kind of started to shut down a little bit. But in that regard, we have always had each other. And you have always made me laugh. I mean, our kids freely admit I am not the funny one of the two of us. Yeah, no. <laughs> they, they often tell me I have no sense of humour. I think Scarlett said to her friend the other day who was here for a sleepover, oh, my mum doesn't have a sense of humour, so don't even bother telling her that. <laughs> <laughs> Go tell dad. <laughs> He'll laugh. So, so we get it. Like I, and, I, and I own that. I get it. Yeah. I don't understand that kind of humour. But you do make me laugh. I'm sure I give you other stuff. I just don't make you laugh. No, you, you, <laughs> or I make you laugh at me, not with me. No, I laugh, laugh with you. <laughs> you said <laughs> it and you, yeah, did. It's good, you, eh? I just you shot laugh at me a foot. lot. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> yeah, no. I, yeah, I'm with you on that one too. I think it's, it's so important to be – and uh, that's the other part too is how important laughter is to this whole thing too. Um, you know, like obviously we've unpacked some pretty serious stuff there being about relationship and love and friendship and things like that too. But I think having a lightheartedness is, it's almost mandatory. You know, you've got to have that sense of, I guess it's like the old adage, if you can't laugh at yourself, then what do you, you know, you, you shouldn't laugh be laughing at another else, that's Yeah, right, because, yeah. you know, ultimately there's so much in life that everybody stresses about that's just not worthwhile. Like it's, it's, it's but there's not, other stresses too that are worthwhile, right? So yeah. there's mortgages and interest rates and keeping a roof over one's head and keeping food on the table and keeping kids' clothes and all the rest of it. There's so many stresses in life today yep. that you get bogged down in it. And my head, you know, like my yep. head goes 100 miles an hour and I get bogged down in my work and life and, and I'll start going, oh, you know, there's too much pressure and this and that and this and that. If you don't take the time to take a step back and laugh, even in the peak of Shitsville, then life's just morbid. Life's just hard. There's nothing, there's no respite, there's no breaks. You have to force those moments through the shitty times to be able to breathe. Yeah. And I would almost say that there should be a direct correlation between the gravitas of a situation and how much you laugh at it. So, you know, if you're one of the major, one of life's, difficulties or strategies, you know, death, marriage, change of job, new baby, whatever those ones, you know, they're probably like the least laughable ones. But if you come at me with some horrible shit like, oh, which football team do you like? Well, I like a different football team so we can't be friends, then that should be the most laughable shit ever because that's redundant bullshit, honestly. Like I love your game. I love your pretend bullshit. But like if you're arguing over something that insignificant – then you probably need to do some soul searching on yourself before you even look at how your relationship's going because you probably you probably yeah you probably shit in the bed on your relationship and you're definitely shit in the bed on your life. See, I would agree with you. But well, then I go the other way and say, okay, but what about all those people who live absolutely live for football and it's the bee's knees and it's their all, it's their be all and end all? Have we just taken a great big shit on them? Probably, but you know what I'd say about that. If you have nothing else in your life but football, <laughs> then fuck you, you asshole. I don't know that we can say that. I just did, and that's exactly no, no. Hang on, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 
When you first joined the army, you absolutely bled green. Like yep. you made your smiley faces out of your little socks. And I used to take the piss out of you and I would rearrange your socks in the in yep. the cupboard and everything. I just fix and it. you'd get so no, you'd get mad. Baby, I don't get mad. No, not these days. <laughs> <laughs> but you would. So you're no better than that football person. <laughs> I I have arguments. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll unpack this one for you and explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> no, it's not me. So, it's the football person. In an emergency situation with socks, the way that works and why they need to be in smileys is so they're neat. <laughs> the reason why they need to be neat is so you can find them. The reason you might need to find them is because you might not be able to see. And why not you might not you be able to see is because somebody's attacked your fucking base and you need to know where all, all right, your shit the is. army was a bad thing. Okay, ah. but you were just as obsessed with jiu-jitsu when you first started jiu-jitsu too. You religiously had to get in there and train. You couldn't miss competitions. Yep. You had to do – right? How's that any different then? Well, because that's in the pursuit of achieving something. Or and so some- is football for mm. a football fan. Mm. Mm. I was the master of silent treatment. Yeah, it's terrible. It makes it so hard. It does. It does. Like, I mean, and, you know, doing, like, taking from that perspective too as well, like, you know, freezing out somebody over something that we would now look at as being minuscule or less. Yeah, more trivial. Um, It seems to be something people do and I don't really understand it necessarily you know and i get it probably comes from a place of hurt and pain and that there's like i want to be able to broach this subject but this is not a place where i'm feeling comfortable and and good about and then there's also like a whole bunch of you know undisclosed or unacknowledged expectations or unexpected sort of feelings of how you know things should be i guess and then you know we even went through that ourselves to a degree too about how you know we were talking before about you have a vision in your head and it's got to meet that vision. Otherwise it'll feel unfinished (laughs) and stuff like that. And so that's why we got engaged twice. Yeah. hundred percent. And I get that. Like I get that from your perspective because it's your psychology and thinking. I mean, me, it's, I'm pretty utilitarian in that sense. I think the only thing I really wanted or felt strongly about was at least asking your dad's permission first. You know, that was like, to me that I'm very much a proponent of sort of old school, attitudes or old school ceremonies of you know particularly with these rites of passage almost into adulthood and stuff like that and so for me it was really important to talk to your dad about it and things like that but you know when we go back and have a look at things like marriages and people getting ready for the marriage and things like that a lot of times we find that or we've seen people you know and we did ourselves you get into arguments over stuff because one person thought it was going to be a certain way and another person thought it was going to be a different way and then all of a sudden we're arguing and we don't even understand why we're arguing. We're just arguing because no one's getting what they want. I think that's a really important part there. I think for me back in the first few years of our relationship, being right or having it my way was more important than anything else. And so... And it wasn't, I wasn't doing it maliciously. I wasn't doing it to beat my chest and say I had to be right or anything like that. It's just that I didn't see you equally. Yep. I didn't take the time to step back and think what you wanted and, yep. and what you wanted was important to you or you saw it differently to me because you're different to me. Yep. 
I wanted you to see everything the way I saw it and therefore agree with me. Yeah, of course. Everybody um, likes to be right. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I stopped thinking or processing things the way I think or process because I haven't. I still believe I, you know, I still think I process and believe things the same way. But what I do do now is acknowledge the fact that two people can walk an identical path in any one day and come away with different interpretations and different understandings and different memories of that identical day. I understand now because for, for a while there, I'd, I'd raised the, I guess, the argument when we were arguing about things that, hang on a second, you know, we're both doing these things that piss each other off and I don't say anything, but you're saying this thing's pissing me, pissing you off now, but you've frozen me out for the last two days over this and stuff like that. And now, you know, for you, the big, I, I think what I noticed was a big change in there when the light switched and suddenly went, oh, hang on a second. He's right and I'm right. Like we're both got this whole situation twisted that we think the other person's not grabbing it, but we're both living an individual experience here right now. Yeah, the the freezing out, I, and I was a master of that, let's be honest. Um, I would get to a point where you weren't seeing you weren't seeing the issues through my eyes and I didn't want to have a fight. Mm. And so I would just shut down and freeze you out. It was easier for me to shut down because I, in my own head, in my own little battle with myself, I couldn't figure out how to make you see it my way. And if you weren't going to ever see it my way, then how were you going to fix it for me? Yeah. How are you going to make it right for me if you couldn't see it the way I saw it? If you couldn't see it as an issue, you can't fix it. Yeah. And so I would just shut down. I would just push you away and shut down and try and push myself through the motions. Um, in doing that, I never stopped to think what me shutting down meant to you. Yep. I just shut down because it was my preservation. It was my way of protecting me. But you were always thought that I was shutting down to shut you out. And I knew that that's like, yes, it was shutting you out, but that wasn't the intent of it. Mm. So we were both looking at that process completely differently. Um, you were right, and I don't say that easily, <laughs> um, but the only way that was going to get better is if I talked. Yep. And at the start when it was, and, and I still do it now, and I know you still do it now, sometimes I still go, you know, I'm going to say this and I just want you to hear me out. And before I even finish that, you'll go, babe, we've evolved. Like, we're yeah. good. I'm not going to lose my shit. I'm not going to go off. Say yeah. it. We're good. I'll yeah. listen. Yeah, because nine times out of ten, like, I'm I'm aware the day before that there's an issue. I'm just yeah. not necessarily scoping out exactly what the issue is. But we never used to be like that. We had to work at that, right? We had to yeah. – we both had to grow to get there, but we both had to want, want to. Want to, yeah. And I think that's the big one too is that you want – I mean, it's one thing to say that you want better and it's quite another thing to say that you want better for your other partner or yep. for your other half, you know, because it's one thing to want better and that's cool. You could want better, you, you know, you as you wants better for a relationship and that's cool. But if you don't want better for the other person as well, who's a significant part of that relationship, then you're only chasing your own dreams then. That's you're not, it. You know, and it's kind of this weird dichotomy where you go, okay, well, we both want better, but we don't want it badly enough for the other person to make this marriage work. And that's where I think partnerships fall down. Yeah. That's, that's the 
catalyst of failure that I see over and over and over again in people we have known or friends that we have had in our life that have gone through a divorce or whatever, it's because they've not, one or both, have not stopped to want it enough for the other person as well as themselves. Yep. Yeah, and I think too in that there's a lot of room for those people or those individuals and granted it's a generalisation but again it's like, well, then I'm not the problem either. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. And, and there's a big thing there. Like, a, there's a big factor there that I, I think I would challenge everybody on earth to look at it academically and, and really dig down deep on themselves and go, oh, is, am I doing this because it's just easier? Like, is it kinder to me? Do I look better in this situation or am I doing this because it's genuinely what's right? And I think nine times out of ten, they're just looking for something that makes them feel better. And at the end of the day, like, eh, if my husband or wife feels better than that's a bonus but and me. me 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 i guess there's this other factor there that i found and it, it takes us back to what we were talking about right in the beginning and it was that whole idea about you know undermining or or you know talking badly about your significant other or your most important you know life partner or however you want to term it whatever vibes for you but you know, the other part of it is, you know, why would you not become your significant others, you know, why wouldn't you become the president of their fan club? You know what I mean? Like you're in it lock, stock. If, if you're committing to a relationship, regardless of whether it's marriage, business partnership, whatever, if you're committing to that relationship and you're not supporting that other person completely, then what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like this. You know, if you're in, if if we're married, and I'm not saying, you know, this fucking chick, she's the best. You know, she she looks after me, she supports me, she allows me to look after her. We fulfil each other. We're raising great kids. You know, if I turn up to the boys, and granted, the boys probably aren't going to be interested in hearing my nice stories of how my wife's lovely to me, because they're all bitching about how their wives treat them like shit. But <laughs> and they're not necessarily at the stage where they can be enlightened enough to go. Well, maybe if I stop being such a fucking idiot, then maybe my wife wouldn't be so mad at me all the time and maybe I'd be wanting to do these things good. But anyway, I digress. You know, at that point there, why would you choose to spend what little valuable spare time you have with somebody you weren't that enamored with to begin with? You know, like, fuck. And I don't get that. Is it is it because people don't want to be alone? Is it because having someone is better than nothing at all? Is it yeah, what look, keeps people in a narcissistic relationship? Look, I think some people, like, <laughs> there's a couple of things that keep people in narcissistic relationships. Nobody told them that they weren't to be the centre of attention. So for a narcissist, they've grown up probably self-fulfilling their own fulfillment of who they are and how important they are because they probably weren't getting enough from anyone else. And then when they meet somebody, that person meets that narcissist and so they go, well, this is my narcissist. And so the narcissist says to them, well, hello, host. I'll be your narcissist and I'll just make it all about me. And the host goes, cool, let's make it about you. And they spend their time fulfilling that. And so – But that – Potentially works, right, in that regards because that person says let's make it all about you, wants to be able to do that, the narcissist just wants to be able to take. In that relationship, and I talk a lot about the give and the take, right? There are givers in the world, there are takers in the world, and then there are really cool people that do both. But it's when it's 
It's the taking and taking and taking. And the person is happy to give, but when the person wants to also take and the other person doesn't give, yeah, that's when I think shit falls down. Yeah, ultimately, because there's this unex- undisclosed expectation from the narcissist perspective that it's the me show. Yeah, but not even with narcissists. Like if it's just two oh, people, I think I, – I don't think everybody who forgets to give is a narcissist. No. I think there are just some people and there's some really good people that will just go through life taking and they're not taking maliciously and they're not taking derogatively and they're not taking because they're narcissists. It's just their makeup and they take and they don't know any different. And in a relationship, they just take from the relationship. And then eventually the person that has been giving and giving and giving needs to take and can't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to contradict what you're saying. I was actually agreeing with it from the perspective of, but using the analogy of the narcissist. But I think it's a really important thing that you're saying there because, you know, the status quo maintains right up until it doesn't. You know, and then when that one point comes, and I guess, well, sorry, I don't guess. I know if all you're doing is giving, then eventually your emotional, I guess, bandwidth is depleted. You know, it's just is non-existent because you cannot be in that mode all the time, and people try, obviously. Um, and but I think it's ultimately it's it's not a genuine thing either. I don't think anybody who tries to be a hundred percent giving all the time is also being disingenuous to themselves, but also to their community yep. or to their relationship because the idea that you can maintain that is a fallacy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I think it comes back to that whole cheerleading thing or the, you know, the what did you say, the president of the fan club. Yeah. You've got to be able to give. You have to be able to. In any relationship, friendship, partnership, marriage, children, whatever, you have to be able to give. But you also have to feel strong enough in yourself and in your relationship and within your partner to be able to take as well and to feel that means that the other person must be giving. And that's, I I would say at that point to everyone, if anyone ever listens to this, check that. If you're in a relationship and you really want it to work long-term and you really want to get there and you want to evolve and you want to make it, are you giving and taking? Yep. Or are you just doing one? Yeah. Yeah, That's and that's valid too because the other half of the, the whole being a giver thing is being the person who can't, is reluctant to take what that's they right. need. Yep. That's reluctant exactly to right. ask for the, you know, and yep. so that also goes in under that undisclosed expectations thing because I have all these needs, but I suppress them all the time because I don't want to be the one taking from the, I want to be giving entirely. And that sort of comes back to even how people end their relationships on this arc thing too. You know, if we have a look at how many divorces have we seen where it was divorced five years ago, nobody wanted to be the cunt. Yep. Nobody wanted to be the bad guy. And yeah, walk away. and so they're all sitting there throwing shade at each other back and forth about this, and oh, he's probably fucking someone else, and she's always after the money, and she's telling them I'm never home, and this and that. You go, okay, the marriage is done five years ago because that's where you're at. Yeah, you know, and nobody told you, and you didn't want to be open enough and have the expectation of yourself that you might actually have to fucking figure this shit out. You're just like, nope, we're just going to grind this out for five years and make this horrible for everyone. And that's, you know, in that point, in that instance, they're in a relationship, whoever they are, where they don't have transparency and honesty. Yeah. They just don't. If you can't come home and tell your other half everything, yeah, something's missing, something's wrong. You're not able to take. 
Because data dumping information, being able to talk to someone, that significant other, whether it's five minutes before you go to bed, the 10 minutes when you first wake up, as you're both in the bathroom fighting over who's going to brush their teeth first, you need to be able to say, babe, I fucked up today and I did this or whatever. Or you need to say, hey, it really shit me when you did this and just have a conversation about it. You don't take offence. I'm not upset. We're having a conversation so it doesn't happen again. And everyone stays calm. I need to be able to tell you, I need to know that I can tell you everything, even if it's about you. Yep. And I need to know that I will receive the same level of respect in return. Um, A lot of relationships will fail and they'll go, oh, he was always doing this, he was always doing that, or, but she was letting him. Yeah, yeah. And this is the part that I can't. I just can't get through. You can't sit there and blame another person for doing this for five years or ten years or whatever if you tolerated it. Yeah, it's granting if permission by it. omission. When did you ask them not to? When did you – and don't do it in the heat of the argument. Like you and I had to work in our good days to figure out what we were going to do and how yep. we were going to handle our bad days. Yes. We didn't figure out how to get through our bad days in our bad days. No. We figured that out. We talked that out in our good days where we were both calm and open to listening. Yeah, and I think if people maybe – and maybe that's that's a difference in how people look at arguing or, or conflict resolution there too, and this is probably across all relationships there, is that you have permission to speak the feelings you're feeling and then tomorrow we're going to come back and come up with a solution with how you two can go on together. And I think ultimately people are like – trying to cram that whole process into 20 minutes so they can move on with their day. And I get it because this world is fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't just necessarily, if somebody's dying inside in their relationship, then that's not a five-minute fix. But it could be a half-hour conversation to express that feeling and then to go away and have some more thoughts on it and then discuss it rationally like two adults are supposed to do. And I think, you know, that sort of mentality – you know, over 20 years of being together, we've gone through the different stages of how people argue and how people do things and we've had undisclosed expectations on each other and then we've had rules that we were both governed by but didn't express to each other and things like that. And then now we've sort of come to that stage there where we're like, well, cool, if, if I'm doing something that's undermining our relationship, then I'm almost twice as pissed off if I haven't found out about it. If, if we were doing this to go, all right, so at the end of this episode, what would be your one wish to take away from this? Yeah. It would be that every single person that might ever listen to this that is in a relationship questioning their position in it or their whereabouts or where it's up to, et cetera, listen to what we've said 20 years on. Yeah. Like you are where we were at that point too. Yeah, 100%. And – we pushed through and we looked at each other. And I'm not saying every couple should be together. No, I'm divorced fuck. twice, so I get it, right? Yep. Like sometimes yeah, it's just some, not meant to be. Yeah, 100%. There's some people that are categorically just destined to yeah. be awful partners to each other but could be great parents to the same kid. That's right. 
Yep, you know? and and they need to call a spade a spade yep. and call it and get out and move on because there is, you know, I'm living proof that you get to find happily ever after. <laughs> so <laughs> hang in there and keep there's, trying. <laughs> just caveat on that, there's no guarantee out there, people, so don't e- emailing me, please. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a brother that's available, so don't ask. Um, but I really hope that people, if nothing else, they take away that point that it's okay to give Yep. and equally okay to take and if you are both open to doing that then there's hope yeah that's pretty good yeah give take and hope give take and hope yeah can't argue with that help one person every day yeah it works man and you know from from my perspective the only thing i would say is i approach every subject with you know a few key points and that's always is this issue more important to me than the other person? And the litmus test is always that. That's the first point of call. And it's like, generally, it's fuck no. What do you mean generally? Tell me one thing that's out there that's more important to you than me. Well, I haven't me. found it yet, but if it comes up, I want to have that option. If it comes up, you let me know. I'll break it real quick. <laughs> but I think perspective makes a difference with the decisions you're making. Yes, I absolutely. Think it certainly did for me. You know, once I got through my head was that if we died tomorrow, would I be happy with how this conversation went? And invariably the answer is no. So I don't go down that pathway anymore. I just look at, okay, what's constructive and what's going to build from there. And it's nicer, right? It's nicer nowadays. Yeah. We've always had fun. We've always laughed. We've always made it through. And our shitty times haven't been more often than our good times. Yeah. But – our shitty times are even less now because we yeah. learnt. Yeah, and that's that's the difference is, you know, you get to enjoy everything so much more once you start to take the other stresses out. Yeah. You know, once, you, once you remove the stresses that you're the cause of, then all of a sudden you're allowed to ha- – you have permission to enjoy your time together. Yep, and own your worth. Yeah. Know what is the minimum treatment you're prepared to accept yep. in any one relationship yep. and, and don't let people fall below it. Or call them out on it if they do because you're worth it. You're worth knowing that you deserve better. That's it. Relationship arc. Done. Done for today. Done for today. This podcast is hosted by Matt and Kaz Page and executive produced by Charlotte Goodwin. For more information, visit loveconquersthepodcast.com. Like what you're hearing? Buy the book, My Broken Soldier, The Untold Story of Life Beyond the Frontline by Karen Page. Head to caspage.com.au or search for My Broken Soldier on Facebook, Instagram, Amazon and Audible. Love Conquers is a podcast for adults that deals with confronting themes of all kinds. Love Conquers is not a licensed mental health service and is not a substitute for professional mental health advice, treatment or assessment. If you are struggling, don't go it alone. Please see a healthcare professional. If you live in Australia, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or go to lifeline.org.au. If you live outside of Australia, 
Please search for your local crisis line and find support.